I want you to think of something that you are really great at. Maybe it's programming language or a framework. When you speak with someone who knows less than you, it's really clear. We all do this verbal dance to see how deep one another's knowledge pool is. The same is true with leadership. Senior leaders at your company can tell the difference when they're interacting with you about how ready you are to lead. Now, it's not about going crazy 100% leadership and abandoning your craft. The greatest leaders are masters of their craft, and then they've also learned leadership skills. So what is the right mix for an individual contributor or new leader role? Well, you could start by once a week, setting aside a small amount of time to learn what leaders do and then practice this with both yourself and others. You'll have to intentionally allocate time to developing yourself as a leader if you want to get to the next level in your career. Take advantage of this season in your life and decide to improve yourself as a technology leader by going to leaderbits.io, technology leadership development. Take action, not classes. Today, we are talking to Rob Dufflow, the CTO of Defy Solutions, and we discuss investing in yourself and the people around you, creating a successful remote culture that works, and how empowering your team keeps the morale high and promotes growth. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Oh, yes. All right, let me get my recording systems set up and like back up. <laughs> no worries. Like I said, uh, some reason the neighbors are like deciding to have their lawn finish up like right now. So I'm hoping <laughs> I was like, really? Of all time. So I'm hoping they finish up in the next few minutes. I've been at it for like 40 minutes now. So I can't imagine there's, there's not that much lawn out there. How much lawn is there? <laughs> Square footage. <laughs> Square, maybe like 200. Come on. It's not that big. Oh, this is so good. All right, so the backup system's going. Jake, how's our systems going? Any lighting adjustments for the beard? The beard's looking good. Beard. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the beard looks magnificent, that is it all. Does. It does. <laughs> is that an upside down Yeti you got going on there? Yes, that's exactly what I have up there. Uh, ah, yeah. yes. We got a right side up one. Oh, uh, yes. Excellent. It's like parallel universes. <laughs> <laughs> you're, but you're Florida, so maybe, I don't know, and I'm in Seattle, so. <laughs> so do you primarily work from home? Yes. Yeah, actually, um, I work uh, from home uh, three weeks out of the month, and then I spend a month down, or a week down in uh, Dallas, Grapevine area, where we're, we're based down there, uh, just to get FaceTime with people, kind of working with them on the uh, on the executive pieces and all that. So we have an internal debate at the at the Modern CTO podcast here. How do you say the name of the company? Oh, uh, it's Defy. Defy. There's a whole video on it, actually. Is uh, there? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. We did a whole marketing joke around it, Defy or yeah. whatever. Yeah, no, it is Defy, Defy Solutions. Um, it's smart that you realize the market like saw that, and so you use marketing to address it. Oh, yeah, we've uh, we've got a brilliant marketing group uh, headed up there. I. I have never worked with a group that is so fun and inspirational. Just to, it works both internally and externally for what they do. I love it. So what does is, what is, uh, Defy do? Uh, we are uh, really the core of what we are is we give loan origination and, and just an entire ecosystem around uh, providing accessible lending systems for everyone from small mom and pop groups that want to actually get into lending of any kind all the way up to uh, big, larger groups, uh, some of the bigger banks even, you know, we talk with them and things like that. Uh, mostly we deal with indirect loans. So the idea is you go into a dealership or something like that and you'd sit down and you usually, you know, you fill out all that paperwork and it goes through a system uh, for like prime loans. That's fine, right? You know, 800 scores, 750 scores, things like that. Those just go right through. But when you start getting into some of the subprime in the areas where uh, things get a little more tricky. That's where a lot of our systems kind of come into play. Uh, automatic automation of being able to say, hey, based on your scores and what we've seen, your history, we pull these rules and formulas together and say, yeah, we can either give that loan or not and do that in you know, seconds. Oh, that's awesome. And then the last time I got a car, I got a Jeep, right? Yeah. And they had this giant like DocuSign screen yeah that thing's crazy <laughs> i know right no it's it's, it's getting to that point uh, the one thing i'd say is like you've got housing market and that really pushes all the technology right now you can just buy a house on your phone and things like that but 
the uh, auto lending industry has always kind of followed behind that. And this is our whole game was being able to help everyone kind of start to catch up in that technology world and really, you know, be able to make uh, those decisions really quickly and play against some of those bigger competitors and stuff. Because, you know, time's money in this. So are you like a multi-rater? Is that what they're called or? Um, I'm not, I'm not, we never use that term or anything like that. That's, that's a bad term. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. I didn't mean to use that word here. <laughs> no, it's I don't know if it's actually bad or not, but it's, it's a, um, it's a, I would say that it really comes down to what the, uh, the lender wants to use. That's half the point of what we do. We work very hard to make sure that we have a system that's flexible to where you can bring in whatever kind of scoring you want within the system. And if it's not there, we have a technology team and a, and a group there that will work with the people who want to work with Defy to put those systems in place. Okay. So there's you, your customer is the lender, right? right. Because there's also like, I saw a screen when, when I got my car, he said, you know, here's your four, four or five options. And he puts the information in once and then four right. or five lenders come back and then we go back and forth and figure out which one's the right one. I didn't know if you were that or your, your system we're probably interfaced that. that system. Yeah. yeah. We're actually behind that. What you might've been dealing with is actually one of the many entry points that you can come into our main system, right? Which is which is the LOS uh, loan origination system. And so you could have gone through a dealer tracker or a route one tool, which those are companies that, that actually work directly with those, uh, with those dealerships to sell cars and under behind that though, the, those dealerships usually have some kind of uh, uh, partnerships with these lending companies, either, uh, the main banks are the, the smaller ones. And through that, they can make decisions whether who's who's going to give the best loan, who's going to give the best rates. And that's why the time is so important in this and why it's got to be as fast as possible because those dealerships are just looking to push those cars, right? So they need to make sure that they get the best loan, the best options available. And when they put all these things together, who's going to make that pop the most for them, right? Oh, nice. So you want to return your results the first to that right. multi-system. That, that, I think that's the system I was calling the multi-rating system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that might be what it is. Because, yeah, they've probably got ratings from multiple other LOSs and things like yeah. that. Yeah, so if you return fast, you have an ability to be at the top of the list, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, we want, we want to be as fast and as quick as possible because, yeah, if they're, if they're seeing the best option right there and, you know, it's all about that, you know, big quick buy, that's how they do it, right? So how did you get from Microsoft to Defy? <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a good one. So uh, I worked at Microsoft for uh, 15 years. I started it, uh, in the uh, right at the beginning of 2000. I actually worked for a bank uh, in their technology department there. And then I literally quit the, the minute before Y2K hit. <laughs> <laughs> because of Y2K, you're like, I can't deal with this. I know the stress this is going to bring. I'm out of here. I've seen the source code. I'm not dealing with it. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, it was um, at that. Uh, it was kind of a funny uh, one as far as that went. But then uh, first thing I did was when I uh, went to Microsoft and worked there. Um, but back in Saudia kind of came in. He was really looking to reorganize everything. And so, yeah, I was part of that first big layoff group uh, with, uh, with Microsoft at that point. Um, I actually watched a lot of my friends who had I worked with for a long time all kind of put to the street so far, uh, and it was it was an interesting day. Uh, but I took that time off for about I took six months off, just kind of re got in touch with my family, things like that. And one of the people who I'd actually worked with uh, during that time uh, was working at Defy because his sister knew the CEO, and for some reason he had in his phone that he knew that I was going to start looking for work at the beginning of the year. And no joke. I had actually uh, just finished typing up and finishing my resume, set my laptop down on like my coffee table, and I got a phone call. And he's like, hey, Rob, I thought, uh, I heard you're going to be looking for work soon. And I'm like, looking at my laptop. <laughs> my system the universe is watching you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd never been to Texas before. Um, for the most part, I, I've stuck around Asia and, and kind of the north, uh, the north side of America and all that. And um, I went down there and I looked at the company and I loved what I saw. Uh, it really had the, that really kind of uh, early Microsoft tech, you know, small company feel. I'd never worked for a company of that size. And so I was in, I wanted to be a part of it. And that's kind of how I got into that game. Nice. What size was the company when you joined? Ooh, right around 30, I think. I think we had about 30 total people. Um, we uh, all kind of just did our huddles in the middle of the main room there at that time. And uh, we still have a lot of those core people, but yeah, we've bloomed up to, I, th I checked with, um, with HR before I got on, we're at 96 people. 
<laughs> yeah. It's feeling good though, right? Oh yeah. No, it's been great. Uh, it's, it's been really exciting. I, uh, I love the feel of, the, of a smaller group. There's the, the idea of all that red tape, all the stuff where you're like, well, you got to go through this process and that process, they kind of fall away. You still need to keep, you know, certain, you know, uh, walls around the cat, so to speak, but the, the, it's a lot more freedom to, you know, innovate and work forward. I love it. That's exciting. Yeah, that's a good question for me to ask. So the CTO of Microsoft, Kevin, he's coming on like in three weeks. I'm going to ask him about how he keeps it like small and family, like the best possible way. I mean, you're struggling with the fact that you have a company that's a technology company with 10,000 right. plus employees. So, I mean, you're obviously putting out in a tremendous amount of effort to not let it feel corporate because no corporations like we want to be corporate. We like nobody strives for that. But I'm curious about the challenges that he faces and how, how he tries to keep it small and family like. Absolutely. And I mean, even when I was working there, I, I was working on some really cool projects, but I never actually had a lot. I had, I had FaceTime like Steven Sanofsky and some of the, the people that were there during the, the Windows 8 push and all that. But I, I never really met any of the true CTOs in that time. I'm really interested to see how that talk goes and kind of what they're looking for next, especially when you look at all the things they've been doing recently as far as opening up to GitHub. Now they've got some uh, got a Linux distro they're working on. All those pieces Ooh, nice. really surprising to me. I really love what I'm, I'm hearing there. So I, I, I'm curious to see how they're kind of pushing out into that open source market and really starting to play and, and not just kind of lock it all up. They're going to make such big waves. I was watching their release of their their HoloLens technology and the new components inside of it. They're making some small advancements in the chipsets and stuff for depth yeah. detection. And I was mm -hmm. geeking out over that. And I was like, oh man, you know, when you build those core pieces that everyone's going to API with and build into their vision systems, that's how you, you know, Qualcomm this thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. One of my very good friends, actually. My old team, the one I, I was with right before I left, actually became what the HoloLens team is. And some of my friends are still working on that. And that stuff just blows my mind. I know you like to talk a lot about the the voice. That, oh, before I forget, I'm going to turn she. Oh, me too. Yeah. Red. Uh, <laughs> <Voldemort. in> fact, <laughs> I, I just realized that I, I was going to do that before we started. But the, uh, this, the whole HoloLens, I... I've got a chance to play with it, really look at it. And VR is kind of awesome and voice technology is awesome. I really love what I could see in a, in a very, you know, hybrid VR world a, that where you're taking things around you and adding data to them as you go. It's, it's brilliant. Like, let's say you were going through a car lot and you were looking at these cars like we we're talking about before. And let's say you had these glasses on. It looks at the car, recognizes the car, knows the VIN numbers, tells you all the options, can even tell you based on software like this, like, hey, this is what your loan's gonna look like based on your information. Here's the options you can get now. Here's what you could get if you wait. And it's all right there for you. You're not having to talk to people. It's all information right in your face right now. What do you wanna look at now? I love that game plan. It's brilliant. It actually makes, and then like technology advances so fast, we don't even need it for car shopping because Uber's flying us around in their new little drones. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw their roadmap the other day, this video, they're putting, they're putting, they're, they actually have the, their, their pilot is actually in the vehicle, but have you seen the custom vehicle Uber has made? No, not, I have not actually seen the, the actual vehicle. I heard they actually have been doing some test, uh, some test work on that down in the Dallas area though, or down yeah. in Houston area. I think. Da yeah. The Dallas Houston area is going to be, they're launching in 2020. <sighs> And they're going to be, they're going to, it's going to take riders. They're doing a private launch, but it's going to take riders by 2023. And it's going to cost as much as an Uber X. And it looks like a plane, but it like taxis to a, a platform. And you, you would go to like the station or it'd be on top of an existing building. And then the uh, uh, plane thing taxis to the edge of the, the building. And then right. vertical, because it looks like a plane, but it's got the drone style things on it as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And How's the FAA going to deal with all that? They're already wanting to put it on bigger drones and things like that. I, I mean, so they're they have pilots really... in it now. That's yeah. how they're dealing with it. Well, yeah, but I mean, you got to register all the, you got to register your flight. The flight pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have to automate the heck out of that. That's going to be know. a real upgrade. We usually do it like on the drive to the airport. We're like calling up, getting a flight path, you know, I somehow ended up with like four friends who are pilots. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. you can't do that. I, I, I didn't even know, but I, I, I've heard. Uh, I, my, my, uh, brothers, uh, works in technology over at Alaska airlines and they're all the systems over there are still 
the core of it still built in the sixties, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> as you, when you have like a private planer and you're going to um, take it for a spin, right. Mm -hmm. And you, on the ride to the airport, you call up, uh, and you have a, a phone number because you have your plane registered at an airport, right? And right. So you call the phone number and you register, you give them your tail number and you register your flight path and they'll go with you back and forth because sometimes they'll adjust your flight path. Ah. And then when you get into the plane, you enter in your, your path and you, then you just do your normal procedure. And then hit all the nav points. Okay. Yeah, but there's like, there's this, and yeah, there's a, like an interstate, invisible interstate in the sky mm -hmm. and you have to register for it and get, cleared on it and they put different planes at different altitudes based on the type of plane they are and what else is happening around it's all really interesting that is really cool yeah, yeah. they gotta get that in seattle because our traffic is just not <laughs> <laughs> no you should do what elon musk does he's like forget it all i'm just drilling under the <laughs> earth <laughs> the earth indeed Yes, I'm going to use flamethrowers to melt the rock <laughs> bore through the center and then put a giant hyperloop tunnel in there that's what I'm doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you give it all the air in there, then yeah, you can get that, you know, 700, 800 miles an hour. You can be anywhere in oh, no time. Yeah. They were like talking. Asia. Yeah, Asia. <laughs> well, they were talking about an LA to New York run where they'd actually just have this tube and yeah, completely no air in it. Then you basically lose all resistance. You can go 800 miles an hour, uh, you know, faster than that even between these two spots, get there in a couple hours. Yeah, they were they were trying to do it so long with these planes that are bouncing in and out of space, you know, mm -hmm. riding the edge of the the space and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But then I think that this ground way is going to be way more efficient. Well, you look at how subways even started, um, and there was all these worries and scares about being under the ground and and all mm -hmm. that. And and yeah. like yeah, like that's 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 where you know you've left Earth, so to speak, as far as they would said in the late eighteen hundreds and such, uh, when they're putting it all in and. Uh, Boston. Yeah, they, they, they actually, I had a friend who's an architect and he's telling me that when they started to build these large buildings, mm -hmm. uh, people would freak out because if you stand under them, it looks like it's leaning over and going to fall on you. <laughs> yeah. So they actually, in the architecture, they have to engineer ledges to prevent the optical illusion that the building's falling over on you. Oh yeah, I can see. I can see that. I've yeah. Uh, I haven't spent much time in uh, in. in I, I've been in Seattle. And the, the buildings there are pretty tall, but uh, I was over in New York City for the architecture conference a couple months back now for O'Reilly. And yeah, I, I was walking on the street, kind of looking up, and I I, I can see that kind of almost vertigo effect. That you get. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they also remove you know the thirteen number from the floors and most mm -hmm. of the buildings too. So so you are uh, an author. You write some some books. Oh. <laughs> So you, yeah, you heard about that. Yeah, we have I've, a research I've, team, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've written some books. I was uh, that's why I was so impressed. By the way, thank you for the book. I really do appreciate that. Um, I was looking at it like, oh yeah, so it looks like you're also doing your own self-publishing things because I've played around with a lot of that, and uh, we built this uh, small little group of mine that you know we we love to write. Um, I really just wanted to challenge myself to to put something out there and really tell a story. So I've started, do, I started with doing some uh, kind of sci-fi thriller stuff and that's pretty fun. I've actually spent the last year uh, writing in uh, young adult romance, believe it or all things, just try something completely different again. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. actually a really popular category. You're the third person who's mentioned that to me. Oh, really interesting. I'm, I'm glad yeah. to see it's picked up. Like some of my, uh, some of my favorite authors, even in that area, um, I just, their writing style and just their, their, their way with words is just epic. I, Gosh, I can only hope to aspire to be that good. Right. I, I love good writing. So what, what were you doing in Asia? You said you spent some time in Asia. Oh, um, so I uh, had some, uh, one of my, a uh, couple of my really good friends were over in Japan and I spent some time over there. Um, I've always had an, uh, an affinity for Japan in that area. So I, w I was in the Chigasaki area, um, just uh, you know, living some time in Japan, having a good time over there. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's such an amazing culture. I, I, it, 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 you, you go someplace and you, you think you have an idea of it, till, but till you truly experience and live it, uh, for a while, it, you just haven't, uh, you just don't know what it's like. <laughs> so I was doing that for a while. And then, um, I actually got to see a bit of Hong Kong as well. I had a friend who was, uh, uh, married someone from Hong Kong. So we were over there for the wedding. I got to uh, spend some time over there and just see in that culture as well and how different it is. You get all kind of in that same area. It's, it's amazing. I, at some point, the wife and I want to get over to Europe as well. But yeah, Japan, um, seeing a lot of it, um, just 
the entire history. I, I've really fallen in love with the whole uh, spiritualism around Shinto. Um, if you've ever looked at that and just kind of being one with the earth and, and the world around you and kind of looking at it as this big, you know, bigger organism than just yourself. And yeah, and, and it's just an amazing way. The, this morning on my Audible, I just finished up one of Deepak Chopra's books. Oh, no, I have not. Oh, more. yeah. Um, he's just uh, like a, I encountered him because he was speaking with Tony Robbins about okay. something. They were having this back and forth conversation and he talks about basically thought and like, you're not the, the mind, you're the observer watching the mind think. Hmm. And like, okay. yeah, you're, you're different parts of your consciousness and how it works. But very simply explained, um, this is my first time trying to repeat it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's going well. But he, uh, <laughs> yeah, Deepak Chopra, he's got a number of books. Um, I first introduced to him by, I was reading this book called Untethered Soul by, I think, Michael Singer. Mm -hmm. And he had done like a quote or an intro to it. And I was like, oh, who's Deepak Chopra? And then I saw him years later with um, Tony Robbins and, and then I was listening to him more and then I figured, oh, I'll grab one of his books. And I did. And it was, um, it was just really good. I just, I like the concept of that. We're not our thoughts. We're the, we're the consciousness observing our thoughts occurring. Like I, I like that because it feels very real to me. Right. Like I can, I can, I can almost like watch myself think if that makes sense, not to get like too far off of the CTO podcast topics. No worries. Like, you ever get that moment where you're kind of like observing yourself, like think you're like, oh, that like, you know, that was a weird thought or whatever. And the way that they explain it is very unique and simple. So it was worth, it was worth a read. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a second here to see if I can find it. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel Kaufman, he wrote a book, uh, thinking fast and slow. I'd yeah. love to put these two guys in a room and see what they thought. Cause he has this idea of the, the first mind and the second mind, right? The first yep. mind's just, uh, pretty much all automation. It's all programmed uh, when you, it, it experiences something and it has an immediate reaction and it's, uh, and it's kind of that first defense. But then as you start to think about it and you, the slower mind's the second one where it takes that and analyzes it and then completely reprograms the first mind to, to react differently as it moves forward. So I'd love to see how that would work. Cause it's it, the minute you start talking about it, that's what it reminded me of. And I, yeah, I, those are the concepts just stated in different words. Like they yeah. all have their own words for it. But they're they're describing the same principles. You have these this multifaceted brain that can observe other parts of itself operating, which is pretty unique. Oh yeah, no, it's brilliant. I love it. No, I I, I spend a lot of time doing that because uh, it helps me to make sure I'm not just may having an emotional response to something that that's happening around me or something that's being presented to me. Keeping that yeah. mind, that was important to me. <laughs> well, it's it's being aware of like. Oh, okay. This is the emotional response, and now I'm going to put my little web hook or my interrupt line. I'm going to put my little I call it there. My little notification saying, "All right, now I have the choice of how to respond," and that is something that has come with age because it, <laughs> it there was no, it was a fluid thing prior. Um, at 18, it was just up oh, action reaction. Like, and now I ha now there's this the space between where I'm like, "Is that is that what I want to do?" You yeah, know? yeah. Or and, for me, it usually uh, it comes down to like the there'll be this opposed opinion and I just want to be like, nope, not doing it, not happening, never going to, they're like, well, no, wait, think about it for a minute. What, what is the objective? What are they really doing? And I have to slow myself down and really think through it and not just have that first emotional response. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, so I started this new project where I'm doing these little things called leader bits, these like little bits of leadership, like yeah. two, three minute videos about leadership with like a little exercise. And I was recording one last night called Hacking Neural Links. And it was, it, it's this discussion right here. It's that realization that something fires and then you have the ability to re like acknowledge it and then respond to it accordingly. And then I give a few examples of how it might actually happen like in, in the real world and really do technology leaders. So um, yeah, I, this exercise of both writing the book plus um, doing these leader bits now, which is the, like, it's like the extension of the book because I go through this, it, it took my, my place in my schedule. Like mm -hmm. instead of writing the book, I, I wanted to keep that spot in my schedule going. So this was the excuse to do that. And so right. it's kind of cool because it's now it's like, I get this little lesson out like all the time. It's real exciting for me. <laughs> no, it's yeah. really cool. I love it. Yeah. So what sort of challenges, because you are remote 
And mm. is most is your team remote? Are they all in in Texas or? Sure. Uh, no, we. So the core of our company started around the idea of freedom, um, and okay. we. That's a good idea. It, it really is. Uh, I freedom, but not chaos. So, <laughs> so the core of our company is in uh, is in Grapevine, uh, just outside of Dallas there, and we've got a lot of the the what I consider the central hub there. But I've got five uh, people now um, from b both the, the marketing, the, the not marketing, excuse me, the business side as well as technology side living in around the Seattle area. I've got a, a manager actually who just moved out to uh, the, out near uh, South Detroit area uh, just uh, a couple of years ago and he's been living out there. I got another one that's uh, moving to Tennessee very soon. Um, and so that's the one thing I really that we really kind of uh, love about it is the fact that you might decide to move or your your family situation takes you in a different way, but the next thing you do is not have to go find a job. So we've really kind of uh, embraced that that uh, idea that we are a company that is going to you know be distributed throughout the United States. In fact, it makes really great for a disaster recovery plan when you think about it. Uh, it does start looking at the executive uh, or the executive level of what you say. Like what happens when. Uh, we have a big problem in the South or the, the East or the West. Yeah, hurricane hits Florida. Is the 100-person company shut down for three weeks? Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's not what happens here. In fact, we do have uh, one person on the business side who lives in the Florida area. And I meant to ask where exactly that was because I knew you are in the Florida area. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we have another one in California. But, uh, and then so and then the, the uh, another group of about four in San Antonio area and then everyone yeah. else just around the, the grapevine place. So. Pretty distributed now, actually. Yeah. And where where is where is Grapevine? Uh, so you know, have you ever been in the Dallas airport? Yeah. Okay, so we are three minutes away from there. Just, oh, that's easy. Yeah, yeah, it's right it's near. It's got a nice name, though. Yeah, like, it does. It really <laughs> does. <laughs> I love. Well, I mean, they do wine out there, so Grapevine makes a lot of sense. Oh, there you go. So yeah, um, I guess it's. I believe it's just a little south of there, but you get off of out of um, Dallas uh, Airport, you go south, hit Texan Trail, boom. That's our. That's where our offices are. Oh, that's awesome. So, so your development team is is somewhat distributed as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, between yeah, like I said, Seattle, um, Michigan, um, and and then Texas. Nice. Cold, cold, warm. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, um, as I said, I go down there once a month uh, for a week, and I'm not relishing. I'm going down. I fly down uh, Sunday for next week. I'm not relishing it because it's going to be warmer and warmer. And by the time August hits, I'm going to be waiting for it. But I'll tell you, you what. I, oh, go on. Sorry, one month every week. Yeah. Or, oh, sorry, or one, one week, week every. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. am I for what I do? I did it. I do it too. Um, but uh, yeah, one week every month I go down, and we have a uh, um, we have an actual duplex, part of a duplex that we own. So, as people fly in for meetings or whatever, they have a place to stay, and they keep toiletries and stuff there. So it's not quite like always getting a hotel room and having to fly in and such. We they've done a really great job to accommodate for that. Plus, things like Zoom is something we use all the time. Slack all those yeah. conversations that we talk about they they you have to just consider your, your hallway conversations are now like a slack conversation or hey let's talk for a minute is popping open a zoom window and, and talking through things yeah and it's always about the people it's like the tribe like some tribes don't it doesn't work for them oh, other absolutely. tribes it works like amazing and that was the funny thing i there's this guy i um who is at once again back to that uh the architecture thing. i was just i was eating up everything he said his name was uh alan holt um, and he, you got to get him on the show, by the way. What's his name? Alan Holt. Let me make sure I get that right. Um, uh, I wrote it down just to make sure I did. But where is it? Shoot. Yeah. Al, um, H O L T. I'll Google it. Hold. Yeah. yeah. Hold. And what does he do? Um, he, uh, Alan Holt, H O L U B. Uh, he, he, um, he's kind of a big talker now. He does a lot of talks on architecture and incremental architecture. I was in town listening to his incremental architecture talk. You can find uh, one of his videos on architecture on, on YouTube as well. But his, uh, the way he thinks about just getting down to the agile methods necessary to, to put together an, an architecture and uh, really just kind of get to the core of the meat of what you need to do and not worry about the technology behind it. It's just really brilliant. And I'm just eating up his work all day. And then we get onto this uh, side topic of, of 
working remote. He's like, oh, yeah, you just can't do that. And I was like, oh, you're killing me now. No, you're like, I loved you for a minute. <laughs> I still do. And uh, that was the thing I had to, I had to um, but he goes off and he's like, yeah, the, the energy wasted and the amount of time it is trying to get a, a point across over a well, he had a bad experience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, he had a bad experience. That's what I have to hope. But, um, and I'm just like, oh man. So I went back to my hotel room after that talk and the funny thing was, is it was also after I did an interview from my hotel room for someone I hired later about working remote and using all those tools. And I just had to internalize for a minute and go, is it, is it really bad? Do I need to move to Dallas? What, what should I do? And, and I got you thinking. I got me thinking. And you absolutely, you always have to be a student. You always have to be a student. Always. Yes. And so I'm thinking about it. I'm like, no, I, I, I think I'm going to keep trying this and, and keep working with it. And I, I think it's worked really well, but it, if your culture of your company doesn't support it, I can see where that happens. But if everybody is lifting this up on a pedestal where it works, then absolutely it can su succeed. I mean, I have like uh, track pads and all that. So we can do whiteboard stuff through zoom. We have breakout sessions in there. We do all of our stuff. We have all of our conference room set up with, with uh, conference equipment to make sure that every meeting has the best possible uh, video and audio for anybody that is working remote versus in the office. It, 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 can, it can, but it does take, a, yeah. it takes a whole trial. Yeah. Well, also people tend to fear what they don't know. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you haven't forced this individual to work for three years remote, they won't have the skills to solve the problems to overcome the difficulties that arise. For mm -hmm. someone who does have those skills, it's just another day. Oh yeah. I know how to make it work like this, right? Absolutely agree. And that, and that would be the one tip I'd give to anybody that is, you do have to become a lot more aggressive. Like you can't go, well, if they need me, they're going to let me know. No, you have to go get yourself involved in things and make them realize that your value, even though you are at a desk, you know, 16, you know, a uh, thousand miles away is still important to the process that it's going to move forward and adding that value that way. That would be the one tip I'd give to anybody that's really going to do it because that's what's worked for me is just making sure that you stick your nose in where you think it needs to be and not expect them to just bring you in. Right. We, you're taking what already happened in a physical environment and you're finding your variation of it for the environment you're in. Cause like, yeah. this is what a boss does or like a leader does a leader walks into the room and says, what's up? You know, right. you're just doing that in the way that's acceptable for your situation. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. That's so like what, what's on your leadership mind lately? You, you read leader books, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do read some actually I've been, I've kind of gone a little bit the other way. I've been looking at more at leadership and technology lately. Um, yeah. uh, like, uh, books that I, I've, I've looked at, um, very recently. Have you read the Phoenix project? Oh, it's right. It's right there. Okay. So you, right there. Yeah. And have you gotten the follow-up book, the, uh, the DevOps handbook? Ooh, no. Oh, no the, yeah. The basically, uh, Gene Kim and, uh, and, uh, uh, I believe Patrick Dovis, uh, they, they have the, uh, the Phoenix, the DevOps handbook. So what I, I end up doing, he's like, no, man. I want the box. I'm sorry. I want the box. No, take your time. Yeah. Thank you. Because no one here can hear the other. I mean, only Jake can hear the other side of this conversation. <laughs> no worries. So Jackie's sitting next to me. She's like, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you reaching for? I'm pointing over there because this just came, this was uh, recommended to me this weekend by an individual on LinkedIn mm -hmm. um, as an automated testing QA company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and he's like, you, it's like a novel, and I'm like, what do you mean it's a novel? And he, so it is a I, novel. Ordered, I I got it, and I started flipping through it, and I'm like, clearly she thinks John's theory is crazy. I'm like, <laughs> like what? I'm like, where's the bullet points for things to look for when testing? <laughs> so here's the here's the birth of that book right here. Okay, this is the book that he t basically took and adapted into the into the Phoenix Project. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so that's um, Gene, Kim, or Kevin, or George? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and Gene, Kim, and Patrick Dovis, uh, I believe, is on that one. I don't know. They, they did. Um, but they also did the DevOps handbook, which if you've not got that, you, you want that for that. that book. But I'll yeah. tell you what. I took the Phoenix Project, and I started reading it. I couldn't put it down. I, I usually read a bit of you know fiction and nonfiction books. I was all in on just reading the Phoenix Project. So make sure you have a strong, you know, a good light weekend before you pick it up because you're not going to put it down once you start. At least well, if you're I am, I'm actually <laughs> taking some time, um, taking two days 
uh, with the family the first time in the past year. We just had a baby, so we've got an eight-month-old daughter. <laughs> we've been at we've been tied at home for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been hearing about it. Um, I uh, I'm one of those people who's kind of a completist, so I picked up your book, read the first page, saw you had a podcast, and I was like, oh, so I put the book down, immediately started picking up the podcast. So I was working one through, and I think I'm up through 20 now, and then I listened to the last few just to make sure I was up to date on how you're kind of rolling things before I got into this myself. But So what do you think? So I, I, I don't have the opportunity to be outside of myself, right? Uh-huh. So like going through and in, in, in the completest fashion, like through each item, like what do you, what's your, like what, what do you think? I, dude, you have like the value you've added even to my company based on what I've done so far has been impressive. In fact, I, I wrote down a few of these things. Andy Budd, the UX designer you had on, yeah. oh, I, I literally wrote down, hell yes. I knew that I yes. wanted I wanted someone to come in and help with our, our UX and, and getting a good flow for that. But uh, the, the tips and tricks, I was really like, maybe we can find someone to kind of help with it and it'd be great. And he's like, no, I got to go get the best one money can buy. And I was like, okay, I'm, I totally got a different outlook on that. So in my look for UX designer, definitely that's, that, that's added value to my company. We'll be looking at there. Uh, yeah. Derek, Derek Johnson, um, you had him on in podcast number four. He, yeah. he really helped me internalize what I was doing as a CTO. Uh, one of the things that you really said in the first, like the first part of your book, and I was like, yes, this guy is like my, like, he knows exactly everything I was thinking about two years ago when I took on being a CTO. I was like, I had no idea. And when I looked at Amazon, I looked around all the things you'd said, you, like I could have wrote the first page of your book, maybe slightly different words, but all of that yeah. completely true to me. And I was just like, you get it, which is why I've been so in love with all this. And just help me, uh, because of that, help me internalize. I wasn't just taking crazy pills with some of the things I was thinking about. Right. It totally made sense because um, unlike uh, a lot of other people who kind of came from a development background, I actually came from a, a testing development background into this role. And I was just thinking, am I, should I still be coding, things like that? What's the most important piece I should think about? He really helped with that. Uh, podcast number seven, Ryan Singer. Um, he oh, was, yeah. I loved him. Yeah. Um, we are now experimenting with uh, six-week ship cycles um, within nice. my architect group and a couple of my other teams. And we're, we're looking at how we can set up for, Q2 to play around with that idea and actually, you know, try it out, see how it works. Really love that. And then, um, and then you just had Miguel on recently, uh, with the, uh, New York, uh, New York CTO guy. You, uh, yeah, yeah, his, his talk on net neutrality was just like, yeah, I'm all in. Like, what do we need to do for it? Washington just passed some laws that pretty much are going to uphold net neutrality. And I, I couldn't agree with him more and thinking a little bit more about it from a business perspective, not even a personal perspective. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's something we need to be very, very um, cognizant about and continue to push the right things forward. Yeah, you know, he just, uh, on the show, I don't know if it made it into the final edit, but we were talking about he's got some big news coming up. Yeah, right? the, I saw that. You saw it? So he, he went to uh, MasterCard. Yeah, I saw that, that on uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, no, I saw it on LinkedIn. I was like, wow, that's going to be cool. I, uh, I'm so much, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have be a MasterCard holder now. It's like, yeah, right. like, I love what he's doing there. It really is awesome. Yeah. And we have, um, near, there's this product, a book called hooked, how to build habit forming products. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a real popular book on, on that. They went around to Facebook and it's all the big sites do these same things to get uh, products to be sticky. And so he analyzes that it's like a bestseller and mm-hmm. he was on the show. So his episode will be coming out soon. Excellent. No, I'm looking forward to it. I, I did hear you talking about it and I was, I've got it on my list, but no, I, I, in the that's morning, the best feedback ever. Oh, I, I, what are you doing I the I'm sorry. I'm so excited to talk to you right now. That's all good. I, I, I had to build like pages of notes to make sure I, I didn't yes. just complete idiot for the, <laughs> no, this is amazing. I love Excellent. it. We crap. We have got, we've got four pages of notes on you. <laughs> Thank that's you, awesome. Jake. Right. Yes, absolutely. No, it's, it's, I, I, I feel honored. Thank you. Yes. So, so what do you, what do you, what were you doing in the morning? Oh, in the mornings, uh, what I'll do is, uh, my, my friend owns a, a coffee shop down the road. So first thing I do is pop on one of podcasts that's going on. So you're my, kind of my morning, like my morning, you know, five, 10 minute drive back and forth. So yeah, I guess this, yeah, keep bringing the value, brother. Do we got coming up? We got, um, Microsoft, Amware, mm-hmm. T-Mobile. Ooh. Yeah. And then we have just, you know, we have like 20 podcasts that haven't even been released yet. 
yeah. when, when are you sleeping, man? When are you- <laughs> uh, well, we were we started with three a day. Uh-huh. Um, then I lost my voice, so we backed it down to two, then back down to one. Um, and so we've been doing one a day solid for I don't know six months, seven months. Wow, jeez, yeah. so awesome. Yeah. I really, I want, uh, at one point, I will get in and actually start. That's why I have all this equipment. I want to do some podcast stuff myself, but I just haven't. Uh, that's one thing I haven't got to yet. Like, but yeah, just when it happens, you got to have me on. Of, of course, you didn't. Yes. You'll be like yeah. top of the list. Even if it's like <laughs> tracking Elon Musk boring holes under the earth. <laughs> What's Elon Musk doing today in the podcast? <laughs> Ooh, dude, I'm not kidding you. There is a podcast. Like <laughs> call it call it like the Daily Musk. <laughs> <laughs> God, what the heck is this? No, it's interesting. Just, just have a good time. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. You would get a following and then that is your most likely path to meeting the man. Oh man, you're not wrong. Yeah. Gosh, right just become super, super fanboy i love it i love yeah it. i love what he's doing too okay so i mean we talked about managing remote teams yes. leadership developers cto you love craft beer oh yeah and and star wars star wars indeed i love star wars love craft beer huge fan yeah. of craft beers my uh in fact um that's kind of uh how i uh, i met my wife uh she's a uh, canadian and Canada has an amazing amount of craft beer that never gets in the U.S. just because it's too expensive to really import very often. So, uh, or I was always up there just drinking the, the beer up that way too. Yeah. And so have you ever made craft beer that has Star Wars themes? No, I have not made one with Star Wars themes. Not yet. Yeah. I, uh, I did brew a, a, a dark cherry uh, porter that was absolutely- I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of dark cherry stuff. Yeah. Oh, man so good i was so impressed it had the most beautiful kind of you know you've got your dark border but it had this red tint to it that was just beautiful yeah it's called like vader yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to think right? I, gotta, I gotta think of a good fruit and then mix it with the word vader like i don't know yeah peach vader or something i don't know there you go peach vader that peach works vader. all right that works. We'll, we'll we'll do we'll take an iterative approach to this just like building a product <laughs> Absolutely. You take first round, bring it in, put some, right. just Vader, but with the head of a peach instead of the helmet, it'd be perfect. You win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you can't drink while you're racing rally cars. I want to hear about the, the rally car racing. Oh man. So I, I have an affinity for Subarus probably more than actually uh, rally racing, but okay. uh, the back in the early two thousands, my, my good friend who, uh, I knew from high school, he had bought a Subaru Impreza. And everything I known about Subarus were pretty much, you know, that was your grandma's car. In fact, my grandma had a Subaru. And when he brought this thing over, it just looked sexy. I love the look of this car. And I'm like, this is a Subaru. I can't even believe it. And from there, I kind of got in. And when I get into something, I'm, I'm all in. I just yeah. dig as deep as I can. I wouldn't even drive a car if I didn't understand how it worked. And so I'm learning far more about Boxster engines and how all this works. And then I get onto the whole thing about r- rally racing and uh, they had a club rally scene in the Northwest. And so I had a, I had a couple of uh, rally cars that we had built up roll cages, all that. And we rallied all over the, uh, the kind of the Northwest, the SCCA has a r- racing scene there for club rally. And I did that for a long time. Um, and then when I had my uh, son, um my my wife had asked me to like you know kind of cut it out because it's kind of dangerous and you should probably be here for your kid so i kind of backed off from like the really hardcore racing like that um i went to some of the the predecessors uh to dirt fish and such in maine and uh, the one in florida i can't remember where it is now uh it's down there near tampa they had a race school down there and i went over there to get a lot of the training for all that um, but yeah, I, I did that for a good couple of years. Um, I look back at the price tag of what it costs to run one of those things. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I could probably, I could have probably packed away a lot more retirement if I wasn't buying cars and, and, you know, and wrecking them. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my grandfather is a professional, um, boat racer. Oh, nice. That's even yeah. more dangerous than rally racing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wow. rode with, uh, like Don Johnson. They won like a world championship for boat racing in like 1988. That's crazy. I mean, I've yeah. met some of those guys, but never ran with them. Uh, we, we, uh, were, we had always kind of, uh, 
would basically have your big pro day and then the next day the the club rallyers get in there so you'll see them kind of cleaning up from the day before so you meet and mingle a little bit but never actually get to run with any of those guys nothing too crazy there i have a friend for you now so his oh. name is his name is marco he has a company called Vinzi. they're they just went public in canada so he's in canada okay and he's a cto i think their company is i mean around around the same size of yours uh-huh. um, and they do some really cool stuff but uh, he's into the Subaru racing as well. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, so you can go get craft beer, talk about your Subarus. And his episode's actually coming out in like the next two or three weeks, or probably the next two weeks. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. No, definitely have to talk about all the GM8s and GC8 body types and what's his favorite, yeah. you know, STIs. Yeah, all, all your acronyms. <laughs> all of them. All those things. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, uh, that'll be fun. I'll, I'll have to meet with him. Yeah, and I'm gonna t- I'm gonna call Derek too after the show. Be like, dude, somebody liked your episode. <laughs> a lot, lots of people liked it, but he was like, he called me up after. That. He's like, I don't know how it went. I'm like, it went fine, dude. You were awesome. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. You know, Derek. Uh, fun inside fact: Derek was the first episode. Oh, was he actually? So it wasn't actually a podcast before. It was number one, huh? He was number one. Derek was the first episode, the only episode um, that like had happened outside of the uh, the podcast studios because. <laughs> I had gotten the, I decided to do modern CTO podcast because we had been successful in like a conversational way with phone calls and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I got an office for it and it was like two days before I moved into the office. Um, and so I just did it for my home office and I was like, Derek, you got to help me like pilot this episode. And it was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, man. Like seriously, Pascal, I, I, I think if you had the the perfect moment, I wasn't kidding when I sent an email to you. I think you should get like some like Darren and Ryan and a couple of these really big guys. And you just need to do a round table with them. I'd love to hear all these guys just talk about all these ideas. I think it'd be brilliant. We will. I'll, I'll do it. We'll find a place where like, I'll look at a map. We have a past guest sheet mm-hmm. and we have all the locations of everybody. So I'm going to find a place where we can like easily all get together and then just like get like a, you know, at the, the hotels or the conference centers, you can get like a, conference room like for the day and then get everyone there as as easy as possible and then just have like get everyone to pitch up topics and uh have an awesome conversation absolutely no definitely i'd love to i mean yeah yeah and then obviously you're on the list dude yeah that'd be awesome you've got to come i better get more cto advice then or else (laughs) (laughs) oh since you listened to the older episodes um recently we got to do the, the time that you're prepared for the time machine question. Oh man. The, I, I have thought about that. I won't lie. <laughs> All right. What is it? I'm giving you the time machine question. Elon Musk. He says, Hey, Hey buddy. He's, he's, he pulls up next to you and you see, right. That's what it sounds like. Jake will edit effect in there. His will just be silent. Cause he comes into the electric. Uh, e, the E Subaru. That is true. <laughs> That's right. Mine sounds like your neighbor's e. lawnmower. and then yours sounds like a muscle car so you meet elon musk pull up at a red light and he uh asks you you get in his car for some awkward reason and he time machine his car is the time machine and back in the past 10 years what advice do you give to your previous self who well um i went over this a couple times in my head uh i will say that the one thing i would it would be while i was still at microsoft i would say that invest in yourself and the the people around you more than the company you're part of. At the time I was at Microsoft, I was, you know, I was all in on the Kool-Aid. I really believed in that, that game plan there. But looking back, I think I wouldn't have changed a whole lot, but I would say that I would have put more in people and more in investing in your career versus necessarily the company's needs. Like make sure that you're building yourself up because people are what make all these things. That's what a culture is. The one thing I'd say that um, keeps defy rolling for me right now is people are what make it. You can, I promise you, I would, I would put $20 on the table and say, call anyone in my company, ask what's one, the number one reason you're there. And it would be people, people are what make it. So invest in that and invest in those people around you and uh, make sure that you're doing right by them and, and building a, a community and a, and a, uh, and a culture that, We'll, you know, thrive for that. Oh, I, that's like, I want to cry. It's like, <laughs> a, it's like a poem. It's like a beautiful, responsible, amazing, insightful poem answer. Uh, I love it. Oh, thank you. But <laughs> was it too convoluted? But I mean, that's, that's the core of it. Like when I first became a CTO two years ago, I was like, wondered what it'd be like to 
be the person who was the chief technical officer. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) I, I, I look back at, I look at it then and think, oh yeah, I'll make these decisions. It's going to be great. Now I've got this completely different aspect of it. And that is just that, oh man, I have so many people's careers and responsibility for making sure that they have an opportunity to succeed. I, that is my number one job is just to empower all these developers and all these managers and all these people that work for me to make sure that they are able to do their best job possible. And that's the most important thing I can be doing. Yeah. And it's amazingly rewarding to be able to be in a position where your job is literally to resource these amazing people around you to do the best that they can do. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, today we were, we, we do uh, kind of scrum, uh, we do use a scrum methodology and we do these sprint reviews and at the end of these two weeks, watching what these people are putting together and show, um, off to the rest of the company today, they're, we were working on kind of our formula engine, how we wanted to improve its performance. And I'm just sitting in my room, just jumping up and down going, this is blowing my mind. Awesome. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't my idea. It was uh, not anything I had to do, but just the fact that I was able to help these guys nurture this uh, creative experience and just make these huge wins. I was, it made me far more proud if I'd figured it out myself. I, I can't even express how proud I was of that. So it was awesome. It's weird how we work as humans, but I love it and it's beautiful. Oh yes, absolutely. Managing humans, actually, another book you should read. <laughs> That's actually on my wish list. I got. I have to get through Phoenix Project, <laughs> Zero to One by Peter Thiel, and then of course, I'm doing a leader bit on the Pragmatic Programmer. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. So, oh. I, so I started writing the leader bits, and then I was like, you know what, I should do. There's some when I'm reading books, they'll like and. Ins- give me thoughts about my past. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I had a lesson like this and I'm re- just like, when you're reading my book, you're like, Oh, I experienced this. I'm not crazy. Yeah. So I get that from reading these books. So then I was like, Hey, maybe I'll do a set of leader bits on like what I, I took from the pragmatic programmer. And, and then just, I researched the law so I don't get sued. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, yeah, it works. Definitely. Dude, Rob, this is the best. I love love this conversation. This has been fantastic. Absolutely. We should do it again soon. We absolutely will. I'm, I'm going to look at the past guest spreadsheet and actually see and plan and think about the um, ability to do this, get together. I'm going to start reaching out to people and see if they're interested in it. If they're interested in it, um, I think they will be, then we'll figure out how to logistically execute it. And then you got to come out. Absolutely. I will be there. Awesome. Got my word. so, <laughs> so, all right, so I'll stop the backup system. Backup system, stop. Jake, how okay. are we doing? We're doing good? We, we got the whole thing recorded? All right, all great. crazy thing. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. We're going to tag you and micro clip it and put it out. We're definitely behind, but you're really, you're like, I really enjoyed your episode. So we'll bump good. you up. It won't be, um, it won't be, it won't be a crazy amount of time. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Just let me, yeah. If you let me know about it, um, I'm sure our marketing team will want to, you know, play it. Yeah. They do that a lot. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. Anytime, anything you need, uh, just email me, brother. I'm there for All you. All right. Talk soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.